Good morning. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28. We will be there this morning briefly. <clears throat> it's kind of funny. I could uh, hear the, oh my goodness, when they said I had six kids. I could, I could feel, feel it in the room. Uh, but we're blessed. I'm glad to have two of them with me today, Parker and Sadie. And um, I'm just thankful to be here, thankful to get to share with you guys. So thank you for having me. Um, just, uh, you know, I'm a Baptist through and through, but just to get a little bad Pentecostal with you this morning, I can tell just from a short morning here that this is a Spirit-filled church that's led and filled with the Holy Spirit and doing a great work. Um, just to hear all the different ministry happening, um, get to uh, worship in spirit and truth with you guys. It's just a, a blessing to be here this morning. So thankful for you and your church. And uh, I heard Pastor Taylor's over 40 years of ministry, faithful ministry here. So thankful for you. So we're, we're just going to dive right in. We'll, we'll jump right in. And so um, I'm at Radical. I'm thankful to be at Radical. I was first introduced to David Platt um, by my pastor. Um, over a decade ago as just another pastor to listen to as part of discipleship and uh, I, I loved listening to David Platt teach and preach and began to do that um, go to secret church all the things and then uh, several months ago an opportunity to come work for Radical um, came up and I could not have jumped on it quicker and so I'm thankful to be a part of Radical and just get the opportunity to share with you guys uh, what what we do and why we do it and, and why we value churches like yours so much. And so we'll jump straight in. Uh, if you want to go ahead and again, mark this in your Bible. So we're going to kind of look at a few different things this morning. Um, we're going to start in the Word, and so it's going to be almost like a quick New Testament survey in probably 10-15 minutes. We're going to look really quickly at just the heartbeat of the New Testament, um, really starting after the Gospels. And so we'll start here at the Great Commission, and we were, we're going to run through uh, several parts of the, the New Testament. And so really what we're going to be doing in that section is looking at this, the Great Commission. Um, and then we're going to shift gears, and we're going to go from looking at the Word to looking at uh, the world around us. And we're going to look at something called the Great Imbalance. And so we're going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we do at Radical and how y'all's partnership is going to be able to make an impact in a lot of both of those things. So, <clears throat> Matthew, uh, before you even read, um, let's pray together and then we'll dive in. Lord, thank you so much for this morning that you give us to, to worship you. Um, Lord, we are able to worship you um, so openly, um, Lord, and that is uh, something that you've given us to steward. And I pray that we would um, just continue to have a heart to gather with your people, um, be edified um, together, uh, sharpen each other, and leave this place, Lord, um, closer to, to you because we've gotten to gather with your people and, and hear from you from your word and, and pray to you and worship you. And so, Lord, I just, I'm thankful that we get to do this. But, Lord, we are mindful that there's brothers and sisters all around the world who don't get this opportunity. Lord, they can't worship uh, in the light like this. Um, Lord, because of persecution that exists, and Lord, you call us to bear each other's burdens, and we, as best as we know how, 
uh, pray for the church around the world uh, that may be meeting in secret or enduring persecution even as we speak. And so, Lord, we just lift them up to you. Uh, we pray that this morning that we can just learn from your word, uh, Lord, and that you would just make clear uh, what it is that we are to be about, um, Lord, and what we are to give our lives towards. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Great Commission, starting in Matthew chapter uh, 28, we'll read 18 through 20. Many of you probably even have this memorized. Um, if you don't, I encourage you, mark this in your Bible and, and even memorize this this week. Uh, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <clears throat> and so as we read this passage, uh, a couple things I want to just quickly point out to us is some things that Jesus does in this passage. Number one is if you look here, he says to the president, he says to the president, he says, all authority has been given to me. I, I have all the authority. And so all the authority on earth, it belongs to me, Jesus. And then after that, he comes and he, he says, go. And even if we look at some of the translations here and we look at the original text and we look at go, it's really not even go if you were to literally translate it. It's got more of an assumption of as you're going, as you go, make disciples. And so Jesus is saying, I have all authority. Now I'm assuming as you go, make disciples. And it says, of all nations. And so this is, a, this is one of the last things that Jesus is telling his disciples before he ascends back to heaven and the church is born. And so this great commission is given, and we see it again in a little bit of a different perspective here in the book of Acts from Luke. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's a few different things that we want to focus on here. It's one, we will, that's a promise, receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And so we know that when we become Christians, we are at that moment filled with the Holy Spirit. God himself comes and fills us and lives within us. And the promise of Scripture is, when that happens, you will, that's a promise, receive power. Power to do what? It's not power to knock down free throws. I've watched a lot of basketball this week. I've seen a lot of guys hitting threes and pointing up, thanking God for it. And it's fine to thank God for the ability that he gives you, but that's not the power that we've received. We've received power to be his witness. And that's actually a word that literally means to be a martyr. To be one who gives their life for the sake of this mission, the gospel. And so they're not just going to receive power to be a witness just anywhere, though. There's specific places that Jesus maps out for us. Number one is we see here, we see in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and we see, to the end of the earth. So I want us to kind of break that down in a couple different ways. Number one, Jerusalem, you're going to be a witness locally. Then, 
Judea and Samaria, you're going to be a witness nationally. And then finally, ends of the earth, you're going to be a witness globally. And so you're going to be a witness where you are, the country that you're in, and to the ends of the earth. You're going to receive the power to be a witness to those three different barriers. And so as we look at and that's a promise, so think about this for a second. That's what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1. And as we look at how the book of Acts is laid out, the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, we see the gospel spreading throughout Jerusalem. And all these different barriers, all these different hurdles are thrown. There are things that are meant to stop the gospel, but it can't stop the gospel. The gospel continues to spread all throughout Jerusalem. And then in chapter 8 through 12, we see the gospel begin to go out nationally to Judea and Samaria. And then in the midst of that part, where they're having all these different barriers, all these different hurdles come, it looks like it's things that are going to stop the spread of the gospel. So, hey, the gospel may be able to spread locally. The, the, the locals of Jerusalem may get behind this. But there's no way the gospel is going to be able to spread nationally. There's no way that the gospel is going to be able to make it past all these barriers and hurdles nationally. Especially one of those barriers being a guy whose name is Saul, who's persecuting the church. And Saul is this... This Jew of Jews who is just going and every Christian he can find, he's trying to have them imprisoned, he's trying to have their mouth shut, he's even to the point of murdering, having people killed. And this is Saul happening, this is national things happening. But in the midst of Acts chapter 8 and chapter 12, God takes Saul, scratches it, saves him, as you know, and leads him to become a guy whose name is Paul. And so God takes the greatest persecutor of the church and he then turns him into the greatest missionary to ever live. And then he takes Paul and he gives Paul this incredible heart for Gentiles. And then Acts chapter 13 all the way to Acts chapter 28, God is sending Paul on missionary journeys to the ends of the earth. And so we see these missionary journeys and essentially what's happening on these journeys that Paul is taking are two things. Two primary things are happening in the book of Acts when Paul is on these three separate journeys and, and other disciples. It's one, is it's about the advancement of the gospel where the gospel's not yet known. Or there's little access to the gospel. And so Paul, it's about taking the gospel to the people who don't have the gospel. And then two, once he gets there, the avenue that God wants to use to spread the gospel in that place is a church. And so Paul plants churches. He doesn't plant just Bible studies. He plants churches where they raise up qualified men to lead those churches and pastor those churches. And so as we see this taking place, these churches are started. And as he's gone on all these journeys, and as these churches have been planted, what we see throughout the rest of the New Testament is Paul then begins to write letters back to those churches. And those letters have a lot of different uh, topics, themes, but really you can summarize the letters of the Bible like this. The letters of the Bible are teaching us how to think 
correctly about God so that we can live correctly for God. It wants to get into our head how to think rightly about who God is, so have proper theology, and then once that happens, now we know how to live our life in light of that. And that's really like almost any of those books you find, you're going to find those two different things, theology and practice. And so as Paul's doing that, Paul's doing a few different things that we see like in the book of Romans. Now we think about the book of Romans and we think theology, we think doctrine, right? Those first 11 chapters are probably the most rich theological doctrine books in the Bible, the chapters in the Bible. And so Paul lays that foundation, because theology is important, but after he lays the foundation, chapters 12 through 16, he then gets practical. And a huge piece of that practical application of the theology is, I have to get the gospel to Rome. I have to keep pushing. I have to keep advancing the gospel where the gospel is not. And, and that, you see that in all of the books that he's writing. You always see this balance of, him going back to the church in Jerusalem, back to Antioch. He's trying to take the church that where it started, and he's trying to stir them to help him take the gospel to where the gospel is not. And so it wasn't Paul just flying solo, doing his own thing, but Paul very much saw this, we are in this together. And even when churches were planted, now he's trying to go and stir those churches to get connected to these churches, to help plant these churches. It was a, we are in this thing together. And so we have, we go back to the book of Acts. And if you read through the book of Acts, which is mostly a narrative, you, you get to the end of chapter 28 and you're reading this story, you're reading this narrative, and it just abruptly stops. The book of Acts isn't one of those books where there's just like this nice little bow that's put on the end of the book where it comes to a conclusion. And the cool thing about the book of Acts is we see the book of Acts as the birth and life of the church. And it abruptly stops. Because Acts 29, granted it's not, we are not an inspi- uh, you know, inspired uh, part of the story, but Acts 29 is you and me. The story is not over because the the church is born and it's still alive. And it's still the avenue that God is filling his people with his spirit to be on mission locally, nationally, and globally. It's still going on today. And that's you and that's me. And so as we look at just this quick overview of the Great Commission and the spread of the gospel in the New Testament, here's some key takeaways. It's one, we're commanded to go. All authority has been given to Jesus, and Jesus has commanded us to go. But the good news is this, is we are also empowered to go. That's great news, because it's up just to you and me, we'd be in trouble. But God, through His Spirit, has empowered us and equipped us to go. And then the third thing is this, is just like we see in the theology of Paul in the New Testament, the implications of that, the reality of the gospel should create urgency. That's what we see in the life of Paul. That's what pushed Paul to keep going and keep going and keep going. It wasn't like Paul was a missionary who was sent and was just getting to live 
his best life, Paul was being shipwrecked, stoned, bitten by vipers, thrown in jail. Paul was suffering for the sake of the gospel. But it was so urgent that he kept pressing on until ultimately he gave his life for it. And so as we think about those takeaways from the Great Commission, I want us to really quickly look now here at the Great Imbalance. Now, this map here that we're looking at, you see a few different colors. Uh, If it it doesn't have a color on it, it's an uninhabited area. Um, But you, you see green and yellow and red. And the green on the map represent the areas of the world where the gospel is firmly established. And so the, the gospel is easily accessible in those areas. And so you'll notice, like, you have North America, South America, South Africa, parts of Europe, Australia, those places, gospel is firmly established. It's not hard to get access to the gospel there. And then we have some places on this map that are in yellow. Those are places where the gospel's there, church is a, a normal thing there. Uh, it's not as, as just on fire for Jesus and some of the other places, but the, the church is there, the gospel's there, it's accessible. It may be in decline in some of those areas, and some of those areas it might actually be on you know, the incline, uh, but the gospel is there, it's accessible. But then we have this area. What's known as the 1040 window. And this area in the red represents places where there's little to no access of the gospel, to the gospel. There's little to no access to the gospel here. And so what that means is the people who live in that area, in the 1040 window, the likelihood for a person in that area would be they're going to be born, and they're going to live their entire life, and they're going to die, and they will never one time hear the name of Jesus. And so then, as it says in the Scripture, it's a point for every man to die once and after that the judgment. So that person will live their life, never hear about the gospel, and then they will stand before God to be judged based on their life, which, as we all know, is a life of sin. And then that's where they will spend an eternity of hell. And so what's crazy about this is in this area, there are 3.2 billion people 3.2 billion people live in this 1040 window with little to no access to the gospel and so the reason we call this the great imbalance is we have the great commission which commands us to go we're equipped to go and so we we can right now kind of like paul probably did paul paul was a genius And so Paul probably had a strategy, a game plan. And so he probably was able to assess the world and how he could get to place to place and and had a plan. And so we, like that, we can look at this and we can say, okay, so we have the gospel here in America. We have the gospel in certain parts of the world, but here's a place where the gospel is not yet. So this is a place that we need to focus on and reach. But here's the problem and here's why we call this the great imbalance. Less than 1% of all missions money given. So not money given to nonprofits, not money given to churches, money that is given designated to a church mission. So if it's designated towards missions, 
less than 1% of that goes into the 1040 window work. And then less than 3% of global workers or missionaries are being sent into the 1040 window. So we have the Great Commission. We see the lostness that exists, yet all the resources and in, in global workers are being sent elsewhere. Meanwhile, 3.2 billion people live with little to no access to the gospel. And so that's the problem. That's the great imbalance. It's, this is the thing that's got to change. Because not only in this area is there great spiritual poverty, in this area there's great physical poverty. There's great spiritual and physical poverty in this area. And so here's what the conversation kind of looks like. The thing that Radical's goal is, is we're trying to help churches see that doing missions in red zones, it looks different than doing missions in green zones. We say it's red for a reason. The reason that the gospel is not in these areas, or these are some of the hardest to reach places. A lot of these places, persecution exists uh, to a great extreme where churches have to gather in secret, where it could cost you your life if you're found with the Bible, where it could cost you your life if you're found to be a Christian, if you're found to be a part of a church, it could cost you everything. And so if we think about green zones, we could... Say tomorrow we have a heart for Guatemala, which there's great work to be done in Guatemala. There's work to be here in North Alabama. There's work to be done in Guatemala. Uh, but we know those places have the gospel, but we, we may want to do that. And we could take a team and we could find a ministry there and we could partner with them. We may be able to fly them up and have them speak to our church. And we could take some of you guys, maybe even some of your youth, and we could send you all down to Guatemala. And you do a mission trip to Guatemala, and that would be a great work. Those things are possible but we can't do that in the red zones. One, we're not even going to be able to get into the red zones most, in most cases. If y'all woke up tomorrow and, and said, man, we, we have a heart for Yemen, there's probably none of us in the room that's ever going to get access to the country of Yemen. And then if we were to get to Yemen, the chances and likelihood of being able to find a Christian there are slim to none. And probably the last thing that Christians in Yemen need is a white American flagging them, showing the country where the Christians are. And so doing missions in these red zones, it looks different than doing missions in the green zones. So here is what Radical has set up through Urgent. Urgent is focused on really four areas. And even before we talk Urgent, I'll just give you a quick overview Radical as a whole. Radical is doing really three things. It's one is you see we're trying to provide resources to awaken and store, stir green zones. So we would be considered a green zone. So we want to provide resources that's going to awaken people to be on mission and stir people to be on mission. And so, for example, I know y'all have been doing Secret Church for quite some time. That's a part of Radical as a whole. Uh, let all people praise him, you know, that guide that you guys went through last year. That's, we want to provide resources to the church to help stir and awaken the church in the green zones. Then two is we want to resource the local church in green zones to go and help support the local church in red zones. 
As red as those areas are, there are still Christians there. You think about a place like India. 1.3 billion people live in India. And there's about 30 million Christians there. Now that's less than 2%. So 30 million is a ton of people. But in the grand scheme of things, it's less than 2% of the population. And so there are churches that exist in those red zones. So we want to resource the local church in those red zones. How do we go and support them and aid them in the spread of the gospel amongst their red zone? And then three, we want to equip people to go from the green zone to the red zone. And so we have a training center in Western Asia where if someone here felt called to go uh, live in a red zone area overseas, you could go to the training center. You live there for eight months and you get taught all sorts of things from how to learn language and culture, how to leverage a business to the spread of the gospel and long-term sustainability, how to deal with conflict, all these different things you learn before you're ever sent overseas. So Radical does a number of different things from try to provide resources to help stir the church in their green zones, help equip people from the green zones to go into the red zones, and then the last part, which we're going to spend most of our last time this morning talking about, is urgent. How do we support the local churches in the red zones? So here is, as y'all are partnering with Radical and giving to Urgent, here's some of the different things that we focus on. These are really the four categories. It is, and, and really just to kind of break it down, what Urgent actually is, is a network. Imagine a spider web, a huge network throughout the 1040 window amongst the secret underground church. Local indigenous people, churches, pastors that we're connected with. And so God has kind of given us that network. So imagine, you know, Paul and, and Paul had that huge network all over the world. Imagine that all throughout this region in the 1040 window. And that's what Radical has. And so we vet the works that we work with. Uh, it, we want to be kind of two things. One, we want to be biblically faithful. And two, we want to be practically effective. And so we want to make sure that we're supporting work that's biblical, but also going to be effective. And so um, when, what we do is we have a system that really vets out the works in the churches that we work with overseas. And so we're not working with scams. We're not working with uh, people whose the theological disagreements would be there. There are major theological disagreements. Uh, we're working with churches that are high, really striving to be three things. Healthy, sustainable, multiplying churches which I think that we could all agree with, wouldn't that be great for each, every church to strive for, to be biblically healthy, sustainable, and multiplying. And so as we have those churches, we have that network all throughout. We have, you know, roughly right now 28 different countries that we have 89 projects happening in. And what those things look like are right here. So there's pastoral training, so we're trying to resource the local pastors in these areas. They don't always have good access to what we have. They, I, I just downloaded the ESV uh, you know, uh, Bible study app to my device last night and even noticed like, how far that's come. It's got commentaries you can add to it. It's got resources you can add to it. They don't have that. They don't have access to that kind of stuff in the 1040. And so we want to supply pastoral training so that if we can teach someone to better study and know the word, and that's going to impact their congregations and the spread of the gospel. So let's train pastors. Let's help with evangelism efforts and discipleship. How do we help them disciple their people? 
How we help them equip their people to share the gospel and then make disciples who make disciples. And ultimately, as you're doing that, you do that enough. Number three, churches are planted. So how do we help them plant churches? And then four is the, the last part, and this is more of the urgent physical need, is there are tremendous humanitarian needs overseas in this area. And the thing about those needs that we are specific on is the humanitarian aids that Radical approves funding for are always tied to a local church that is leveraging that to one of these three spiritual needs. So Radical is not supporting work in the middle of Africa that's just drilling a well and then leaving. You can give, it's clean, drinkable water, important, absolutely. Your life depends on it. But what good does it do to give someone clean, drinkable water for their life, for them to not hear the gospel, die, and then stand before God at judgment? That clean water does nothing. And so we want to make sure that when we're meeting these physical needs, we're helping the churches there meet those physical needs, but make sure that there's a, a plan and a mission that's going to help communicate, hey, if we're planting a well with clean, drinkable water, let's tell you about the living water that exists in Jesus. So any humanitarian aid is always tied to a spiritual aid. So these are the four different things that Urgent is focused on throughout the 1040 window. And so I'll tell you, it's, it's not radical doing it. Radical's not got a bunch of missionaries over there doing these things. It's not radical staff over there doing these things. Radical has five regions we have North Africa, the Middle East, and then three different parts of Asia. And so we have these five different regions. Each one of those regions has a person who oversees it, who works for Radical. And each of those five people know that region, are networked throughout that region, have tons of relationships throughout that region. And those people know people who know people who know people who know people who know people. And so at some point, as work and urgent physical and spiritual needs arise, that begins to go up the ladder until eventually the person at Radical hears about it. And then he's able to ask all the different questions. Well, hey, uh, what kind of work is this? What's the theology behind it? Which church is this? I'd like to meet with this pastor. They're vetting all of that out to make sure that it's a solid, good work, that it's biblically faithful and practically effective. And then, once he's vetted that out, the person over that region then goes to uh, our, our global investment person who then says, let me ask the right questions. And he asks the right questions. And once he gets his answers, he then goes over to the global investment team, who's a team of directors, doctors, theologians, people who are then asking their questions, and once all of that is done, that work gets approved. And those needs are coming up like this. And so as those needs are arising, the money that's going to urgent is going right back out to the most urgent spiritual needs. So here's the thing that you can know when you give to urgent. When the most urgent spiritual or physical need arises in the 1040 window within that network that Radical has, your resources are getting shot over to the most urgent needs possible. We're not interested in helping the not 
urgent things. Not that those aren't good works, those are great works. But where's the most urgent need? If it's the if Radical, for example, has an opportunity to go help plant a church in a place that's established with a 50 percent of the population's Christian, or we can take funds and go over here and plant five churches in five villages that have no known believers. That's the work that Radical is going to help support. We're going to help support the local church there. And, and one of the strategies of this is this. When you look at when we send missionaries, that is vital. This work, 3.2 billion people, we need to keep sending. We need to keep sending. We need to keep supporting people who send. We need to send missionaries, global workers, to these areas. But also we got to help the local church that is there. One, the Bible commands us to, but then two, we think about when a missionary goes overseas. Missionaries go overseas, the average missionary is coming back in two years in this 1040 window work. They go overseas two years, they come back. What's the problem with that? I wouldn't say that God can't use those two years. Of course, God could do anything in those two years that he wants to. But if we're talking about not just being biblically faithful, but also being practically effective, how effective is it going to reach a place that's read for a reason by shotgunning people every two years? There's a lot of challenges that are going to come. It's going to take a long time. So one of the reasons like we need to keep sending, and that's why the training center exists, let's help people send well. But then over here, as we're supporting the local church that exists there, well, guess what? The local pastor who lives in the middle of Mumbai, India, doesn't have to learn that language. He knows it. That guy doesn't have to learn the culture of India. He's from it. And that guy is not going to have a conflict within his team that makes him go, you know what, I'm moving back to the United States. Because he's from India. And so it removes a lot of the barriers, and we're able to equip people who are from there, speak that language, and are there for the long haul to the spread of the gospel throughout that area. And so that is the work of urgent. And so one of the things that we're excited to be able to do and part of my role is as we have our team on the global investment side of this that is in touch with our fund managers, which are the people over those regions, as they're having those conversations, as they're reporting things back, we have people on that team that are then reporting things back to me that I get to come back and share it with you guys so that you guys can know what is happening overseas. Because one thing that Radical doesn't believe in is blind giving. We don't want you just to write a check and, and give it and say, hey, thanks for the gift. Because what we believe is the greatest work is prayer. You think about the fact that in, take the book of Esther, for example. God takes and he stirs up Cyrus's spirit. And God just stirring his spirit leads him to then give God praise and then go and lead to the, the building of the temple. God's Spirit did that. God's Spirit worked in a pagan king and led him to go do that work for the kingdom. And when you and I pray, it may feel like, how do you pray for something like this? 3.2 billion people? How do we pray in a way that's going to do anything? In the moment of your prayer, God's Spirit could go somewhere you don't even know about and stir up a person. You could be praying for a country like Yemen, and in the midst of that praying, 
God goes and stirs up some person in the middle of Iowa to have a heart for Yemen, and that person begins to take the steps to prepare to go to Yemen forever, for the rest of their life. God's Spirit can do that through your prayers. And so we don't want to have people blindly give because we believe that prayer is the best work. And if you don't know what's going on over there, then how are you supposed to specifically pray for the things happening over there? And so we want to be able to provide you guys with updates that are going to empower and enable you guys to pray specifically for the work that's happening amongst the local church there in the 1040 window so that you guys can pray for the church that is there and then hopefully as well praying for people who are being sent to those areas. And so that is the work of Urgent in a a quick 30,000-foot overview. Um, And that's why Urgent exists. Because one, the Great Commission was given from Jesus to us. And then two, we look at the world around us and we see the great imbalance and something has to be done. And so as we are doing this, the last thing I want to emphasize to you guys is radical. We strongly, without a doubt, believe that there's one primary avenue for God to reach the world. And it's the local church. It's you guys. So we're not, the sending, we're not a sending organization. We're not an organization that's going and doing the work. What we want to do, what Radical's prayer is, is that we can take the local church here in the green zone and do the work that's necessary to get them, even if it's from a distance where they may not even know each other, but how do we help connect them to the churches in the red zone to love one another and serve one another and be able to get resources into these places, resources to these places to reach, the go- reach those places with the gospel. And so what I'm going to do as we wrap up our time here, uh, as, as, as Pastor Taylor comes up to lead the invitation, I just want to pray for us. And the, as far as response time, there's a few different ways you could respond to something like this. Some of you, maybe you've never heard about missions uh, in this way before, and this is a lot of new information to you. Maybe you're newer to the church and you haven't got to hear them talk about this yet. Uh, maybe you've been here a while and you've heard plenty of talk about this. Wherever you are on that, it's one, I encourage you to have a heart that just prays for, prays for this kind of work. Have, have a prayer life that prays for the unreached and prays for the unreached, unengaged peoples of the world. Because God can take your prayers and he can use that to maybe even call yourself to go, but call someone else to go. God can do more with your prayer time than any other thing that you can do. So pray. There's a lot of you in here too. Maybe God calls you to go. And I encourage you to ask the question. And, and just simply take a blank check and put it before God and say, God, would, are, are, I want to make sure, God, 3.2 billion people. There's a clear command to go. And yes, some people are called to stay. But here's the question I've heard it posed before. It's not, God, Lord, should we be praying that we go? Lord, really the question should be, Lord, are you calling me to stay? Because we're commanded to go. So pray as God calling you to go. It would be very simple for you to, if you're a teacher, there's opportunities overseas to go teach in the midst of an unreached, unengaged people group. And then leverage that for the advancement of the gospel. And so I encourage you to consider going, praying, and then even giving. Obviously your church is giving. If you and your family want to personally give and support work like this, then that's an option as well. Pray about how God wants you to leverage your resources to the advancement of the gospel in the midst of the 1040 window.
So however the Lord leads you his, through his spirit, let him lead you in that way. And then I'm going to pray for us and then let Pastor Taylor close us out. Lord, thank you so much for this morning that we're able again to gather together. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, the only reason that we can even have this conversation is because the gospel exists, that there is good news for sinners like us. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you loved us in such a way that you sent your own son, Jesus, to die in our place. And Lord, that you invite us back into a relationship with you. So Lord, we are thankful for the gospel. And Lord, that is good news, and good news is meant to be shared. And Lord, I pray that as we share it here amongst our our neighborhoods, God, may we also have a desire to help the gospel be shared among the nations. And Lord, I pray that this morning that your spirit would impress on each heart how they are to respond. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to help this church make disciples here locally and help them continue to leverage their resources and time and affection, Lord, towards advancing the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.